Welcome to today's edition of the Bible Class. Our teacher, Dr. Kenneth C. Hill, is teaching from the New Testament book of 1 John. You may send your questions by email through our website at whcbradio.org. That's whcbradio.org. Or you may mail those questions to the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. And now, here's Dr. Hill with today's lesson. Welcome to the Bible class. We're continuing with our study in the epistles of John. We're in 1 John, and we're finishing up chapter 2 and beginning chapter 3. As we look at verses 28 and 29 of chapter 2, we begin. And now, little children... Abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If ye know that he is righteous, ye know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. The question is our assurance or our confidence. And our confidence, our assurance, is in Christ Jesus and in Christ Jesus alone. And if, at his appearance, we are confident in him, we will not be ashamed when we stand in his presence. And so we begin with 1 John chapter 3. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not, beloved. Now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. John has been exhorting us to abide in Christ. In the first two chapters, he was telling us, Abide in Christ, resist a false teaching and live anticipating Christ's second coming. Be ready for Christ's return. Well, this combination seems to follow the pattern of the teaching of Scripture in general. Usually, whenever there's a reference to the return of Christ, there's an appeal for holy living. When we expect... Christ's return, we should live like children of the King. That is why it's always a question in my mind, am I living in the light of the second coming of Jesus Christ? Am I living in such a manner that folks would know that I am expecting Christ to return at any time? If we have 
churches that preach and teach the truth of Christ's imminent return, and we do, then why are not those churches excited about living a holy life for Christ? Because that's what we're exhorted to do every time we see the return of Christ mentioned in Scripture. We're exhorted to live like children of the King. You remember when John the Baptist was engaged in his ministry of baptism, suddenly in the midst of it all, he saw the Son of God approaching. And he was quite fervent when he cried out, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. John one twenty nine. Now this is John the baptizer. The Apostle John, the one who wrote the epistles of John, and here in 1 John chapter 3, He was enthusiastic as well when he writes, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Behold, the same phrase, same word, that John the baptizer used when the Lamb of God was presented. And here, when the love of God is presented, we see John the Apostle exclaiming, Behold! Look here! See this! Look my way! Don't miss it! Behold! What manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. When you think about it, You need to lay aside those troubles, those things that beset us, even our work, our daily work, to think on the magnitude of God's love. There's nothing in all of life more magnificent than the truth that we who are in Christ are children of God. We have gone from being children of wrath, deserving nothing but hell. Because of the mercy of God, he's transformed us to become children of light with the eternal assurance of heaven. And John, the apostle, cries out with great fervency and expectancy, Behold what manner of love. Where did it come from? That's a good translation, by the way, uh, or at least a good uh, common translation of of, uh, behold what manner of love or what manner of love uh, to say, where did it come from? Where did love originate? What manner is it? What what type of love is it? How is this love so uh, wonderful given to us? It is something different than fraternal love, love between brothers and sisters or between friends. It is foreign to us in, in truth because it comes from Almighty God. The all-knowing, all-wise, all-powerful, all-merciful creator of everything. 
It is God himself who transforms us as a sinful unbeliever into a holy and worshiping saint. Romans 5.8 says, God commendeth his love toward us that while in that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When we believe on Christ, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Romans 5.5 5 is that reference. Immediately upon believing on Christ, God in the person of the Holy Spirit makes his abode with us. We become the temple of the Holy Spirit. You remember what David had to say as he considered the wonders of God's love and thinking of his own wickedness in contrast to God's mercy and forgiveness? David wrote this, He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities, for as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he hath removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those that remember his commandments to do them. And that's David writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Psalm 103, verses 10 through 18. Now, my friend, if you have received this gift of salvation by grace through faith in Christ Jesus, you have experienced the new life in Christ. And if you have, you relate to what David is writing here in Psalm 103. Now we know, too, that Hebrews 8.12 comes to mind. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Hebrews 8.12 And so, we know that this is a gift. It's a love gift. It's his love being bestowed upon us. It's as if it were a bequest or a gift. Perhaps uh, we might see it as a gift uh, that comes at a special time. Most of us receive gifts from time to time from those that love us or those that are acquainted with us. Maybe it's a Christmas gift or it might be a birthday gift or it might be an anniversary gift. But it's a gift nonetheless. And people bestow these gifts upon us. It means we don't work for them. We don't pay for them. In fact, it's a gift. There's no way to buy it or earn it. You're not given a price tag and say, oh, by the way, you must pay me for this. It wouldn't be a gift if that's what happened. And the word bestowed, by the way, in the original, 
would mean that the gift could not be recalled. It's a once and forever bestowment. It is ours forever. And so we see this marvelous truth in its climax that we should be called the sons of God. Now, if you take it back further, of course, it's the children of God. So we're to be called the children of God. So male or female doesn't matter here. But we are to be the children of God. And we are adopted. We're placed into the family of God as full-grown children of God. And so here, John, in the original, would be looking at the children of God. So we're called the children of God, the sons of God. Indeed, we are. And by the way, um, if ye know that he is righteous, ye know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. And we found that, of course, in the last verse of the previous chapter, chapter 2. Children of God are living differently than children of wrath because they want to please the Father. They want to do his will. Now, the lost folks can't figure out why we want to live as saved people. They're lost. They don't know Christ as their Savior. They have never received the new life. They are not living a new life. They're living the old life. And so here where John says in verse 1, Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. In other words, the unsaved cannot understand what has happened because they don't know the Lord. It's uh, trying to teach a truth that comes from God, a divine truth, to a secular mind, to a natural mind. It is not possible. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can they know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So the only way you can understand spiritual truth is to be spiritually minded. It is difficult for the child of God to fit into a society such as the one we have around us, In this day and age, we cannot fit into a godless society. Christ never promised us an easy time. He never promised us a bed of roses. He never promised us that because we're a Christian, we'll naturally get along well with everybody. In fact, he taught the opposite in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. What does a sword do? Well, it divides. A sword divides. And we know the Word of God creates divisions. The sword of the Word creates divisions. Now, that doesn't mean that we are to be uh, somehow callous or unsympathetic or uh, we're to be antagonistic. Uh, We're not to have a chip on our shoulder. Never, never, never. We're not to be walking around with a bad attitude and trying to pick fights. That's not what Christians are supposed to do. In fact, Romans 12, 18 reminds us, if it be possible, as much as lieth 
in you live peaceably with all men. Now, we're miserably understood, or misunderstood would be the best term. We're misunderstood by the lost people of the world. And so we should not be surprised when our Lord is not understood, when he is rejected by the people of earth. The rejection and crucifixion of Christ was because he was rejected of men. So we can be sure that the world knoweth us not, verse 1, because it knew him not. Verse 2, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear that we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So it's not we shall be sons of God, but we are sons of God. It's a present thing. The very instant that you place your faith in Jesus Christ, the very moment that you believe, you're declared by God to be his child, his son, his daughter, forever. Forever. Now, if a person truly receives the Lord, he's then born into the family of God by the Holy Spirit. And from that time forth, forever, he's one of God's children. John 1.12, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. How important it is in John 5.24, continuing in the Gospel of John, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. So those who believe are passed immediately from death unto eternal life. Now, here we see the phrase, it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that we shall be like him. There are many prophetic verses in Scripture, many things giving us details about the future. But we know 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, which were often quoted by pastors of mine when I was a child, it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So, we have knowledge of many of our spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus, and someday, soon, they will be a permanent and present reality. And that is when he shall appear. We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So at the return of Christ, we're going to see him as he is, and we shall be like him. 
John shows with certainty that he was expecting the second appearing of Christ, the return of Christ. He shall appear. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. And the third verse of 1 John 3, And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Thank you for joining us today for this edition of the Bible Class with Dr. Kenneth C. Hill. You may reach us by email by going to our website, whcbradio.org, and sending us an email on the Contact Us link. That's whcbradio.org. If you prefer to use the Postal Service, our address is The Bible Class, WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. That's The Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. You may also call us at 423-878-6279. Until our next Bible Class program, we are trusting that the Lord will richly bless you as you serve Him.